Recording on. Welcome. Wednesday night. Yud Aleph year. Um, the outside of a little child, Yosef. All of a sudden, son of Menachem Mendel, Shichia, Revesim, Shavarim, like to uh, throw out happy birthday wishes to, uh, yeah, to the cat. No. Happy birthday, cat! Not to the cat. Adam snuck in on us over here, the 58th birthday. Happy. Here's the cat. <laughs> and there's the cat. Adam has joined. Happy birthday. Cat also wants a happy birthday. Cat, no happy birthday for cat. Does the cat have a name? What's the cat's name? People want to know the cat's name. You have to type it in. Um, he's saying it. I can't hear. Listen, what do you say the cat's name is? What's the cat's name? Repeat it. Okay. He didn't hear. He listened to the wrong side. We'll get it later. You're Polish. It's fine. You're Polish. Um... We learned Pirkei Aves, as we said, Gemara Seita, and Pashas Achimais Kedeshim. I'd like to open just with a little part of Mishnah in honor of our cat. The Mishnah tells us that we learn from the cat modesty. The cat is a very, very modest animal. The cat cleans up after itself and there are different animals each one has their own attributes and the Talmud the Mishnah tells us that we have to learn from their attributes we have to learn from their behaviors which is strange enough that why would a person have to learn from an animal from a behemoth from a chayef from a but still in all the Mishnah tells us that from the cat we learn modesty how a person has to be careful. They don't just do things out in the open. Achreimais and Kedoshim are on the same thing. We are telling the person. First of all, there's an Achreimais. The concept of someone passing away, most people look at it and say, person passed away, what is there after? Is there, quote-unquote, an afterlife? What does it mean that the life... Because someone's straightening this table out because it's making me OCD, very nervous. Mm-hmm. This one? This yeah. Mm-hmm. A little more. And the Torah here tells us clearly, Achereimais... And it comes together with Kedeshim telling us that after Mace, Kedeshim, there is sanctity, there is holiness. What is this all about? Why is the Torah even telling us about the concept of Achri Mace? Torah went through the whole concept of purity, of Tazriya Mitzayra, and then follows up with Achrei Mais and Kedeshim. After a person is purified in Tazria, Mitzayra, and they rid themselves of the Tzaras, of the leprosy, tells us the Tzayra that Achrei Mais Kedeshim. And let's ask a very, very straightforward question. If I can't do any, if I don't do anything wrong, I don't have to repent. If I don't do an Avera, if I don't do a sin, there's no tshuva involved. There's no reason for repentance. How do I do an Avera? If I do something which the Torah told me not to do. If in Torah tells us, you may not do this, and I do it, I'm doing a sin. If Torah dictates a certain mitzvah that I should be doing, and I don't do that mitzvah, Hasashol, and it's a mitzvah that has to be done, eating matzah on Pesach, etc. 
I'm committing a sin. The question of the layman, an off-color question probably, why put us into this predicament? Why give us the headache, shall we say, of coming about, of having to prevent a sin, keep the Torah, and don't give us the Torah, don't give us the rule book, don't give us the commitments, don't give us the headaches, and let us move on in life. Someone's asked, when the Rebbe, the Davich Rebbe came out with a campaign, Mifzat film, go putting on film with people. Ironically, today everybody else does it as well, but ironically at the time, there was an uproar. People from all different circles were in an uproar. What was their, what was their problem? He didn't wash Negolasa. The guy didn't even wash his. How could he put on tefillin? You think a person off the street just put on tefillin? He didn't wash Negolasa in the morning. And then came even a better one. He's not even Shemesh Shabbos. He doesn't eat kosher. What's he putting on tefillin for? Personally, I had that occasion of one, one such antagonist. Someone approached me and said to me, just that. I was on King's Highway in East 16th Street in Brooklyn. We had a Mitzvah tank there. And a guy came over to me, a film fellow with the Gemara under his hand. I don't understand. He says, <laughs> The Chayra, you're doing Bittel Teira. You should be sitting and learning, Rabbi. You don't be putting on film on people. What are you accomplishing? They're going to put on film, they'll say a word, and they'll walk away, and they don't care. So what does the Torah have to do with them anyway? They don't, they don't keep anything else. So I said, whoa, 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 slow down. You mean to tell me, I said, that if a person doesn't keep all 613 mitzvahs, he may as well not keep any of them? You know what I mean. He said, you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's just, they don't really believe in anything. Why should they put on... T- I, I was ready to throw up on this guy. I was going to break from the stupidity. <laughs> I said, can I ask you a question, I said. He says, yeah. So what Gemara are you holding? I can't remember what it was. So I asked him a question in the Gemara. And he says to me, you learned this Gemara this morning? I said, no. He says, so how do you know to ask this question? I said, I learned this Gemara probably ten years ago. And you can ask that question? Yeah. And, uh, and do you know the answer? I gave him the answer. I told him to taste this. I thought, wow. Wow. You're really wasting time here. I said, listen to me. If I'm doing this, and I know the Gemara better than you do, obviously I must know what I'm doing. But I want to ask you one question, I said. Out of the 613 mitzvahs that you're aware of, that you know about, what's the most beautiful mitzvah? His eyes lit up and I saw him visualizing his chont. And he says, Shabbos. Shabbos Kodesh. I said, and yet, you're a despicable sinner, I told him. And you glorify Shabbos? And he, he, he wanted to cry. Why do you say that? Why do you call me that? I said, do you want to tell me you never spoke Lashon Hara? What? He's looking at me. You want to tell me you learned the halachas of Lashon Hara, all the laws that pertain to Lashon Hara, and you know from A to Z, soup to nuts, what it means not to speak about another person, not to think about another... And you never, ever transgressed any of those things? And he started to... He looks at me and he says, but that's impossible. It's impossible. How does a person never speak Lashon Hara? It's not possible. 
Because there's so many laws involved. It doesn't have to be, I come and tell you, do you know what this and this person did, and that's my share of Lashon Hara. If a person comes to you and says, do you know this person, and you go, oy vey. Hmm. You don't say anything else. You don't say anything about the person. You just say, oy vey. You already spoke a level of Lashon Hara. To refrain from Lashon Hara, the only way you could not talk Lashon Hara, ever, is if you don't talk. If you're dumb. If you're a mute. As long as your mouth is going to open up, you're going to ultimately one day say Lashon Hara. So Lashon Hara is, kills three people, says the Bashem It's a destructive, destructive sin. And yet, you want to tell me that you consider yourself holy enough, that your time is so... And you, all your mitzvahs are so valuable to you, your chalant is so valuable, but yet you go and transgress a basic... Of a, the guy put his tail between his legs. <laughs> Unlike cats, they don't do that ever. <laughs> and started to walk off. I said, no, 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 no. Back here. And I started to, to, to rip into this fellow. I was just so frustrated. I mean, I couldn't believe a person's going to confront me with this. I stood, I made him stand there about 35 minutes listening to my rant. I had other guys with me, so they were putting on film with people. And finally I told him, I'm not letting you go until you walk over to a yid here and make him put on film. He, I, I'm telling you, he said, Kerach, where are you? Bring me with you into the hole. He wanted the earth to swallow him. Are you crazy? He says, what do you mean? I said, you're not moving from here until you take a Jew and put on film with him. But, 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 but how can... I said, that's how you're going to do that. And, and he was getting so nervous, he was getting so frustrated, my Jewish heart broke for him. Is that on YouTube? So I told him, <laughs> I told him, listen, here's a candlestick and a candle. Go to a Yiddish mama and ask her if she lit candles. Give her a candle for Shabbos. That he was ready to do. Hmm. And he went over and he asked the old Yiddish woman, do you light candles? She said, no. So he says, here's a candle. This Shabbos, candle lighting is this and this time. Wash, <laughs> telling you, wash your hands first. <laughs> and then make the bracha. Here's the bracha. <laughs> what did I kick him out? <laughs> but it was so sincere. Many years ago, behind the Iron Curtain was behind the Iron Curtain. You did not, people just did not come out from behind the Iron Curtain. There was a Mrs. Astulin who was granted a visa. (laughs) She came out of Russia and she was sent to to the Holy Land. This is a life dream to escape from the clutches of the communists. But as a chassid, there was one dream that was even greater. And that was to be able to travel to the Rebbe, to be and get a bracha by the Rebbe. The dream of leaving Russia was far beyond her her reaches. To go to America? Ah. And lo and behold, I don't know if it was a raffle, if it was somebody put together, she was being sent to America for the month of Tishrei. Who? How did it end up in front of me? And she came to America, and she was here for Yom Tif, and she was granted a private audience. And as she came into the Rebbe, the Rebbe gave her many different instructions, and the Rebbe told, I want you to go and to talk to Jewish women and make sure they light candles. Interesting to note, the Rebbe always was very, very careful. The Rebbe was always very careful to tell people when it came to Mifzayim, he would tell the men to deal with the men and the women to deal with the women. The men obviously putting on film with the men, the women putting on film with the women. <laughs> yeah, right. The women davening with the women. 
the women making lighting candles, Tanis Mishpacha, etc. Always the Tznias factor was very important. He told her, I want you to get involved with Mifsa Neshek, making sure women light candles. She said, but Rebbe, she spoke to them in Russian. I don't speak Hebrew properly. As is, there's enough antagonistic people in Israel, there's enough people that are not happy with the datiyim, with the religious ones. I'm going to come in with my broken Hebrew, it's going to be a chil Hashem. Rebbe said, anyone that makes fun of you, you tell them you're my chosid, and I sent you such a command you can't refuse. She returned to Israel and she joined up with a group of women that went every week to the hospital. And every Thursday she would try go to the hospital and go from room to room and give women candles to light for Shabbos. One Thursday, she comes into her room. She barely passes the threshold and the woman jumps up, an older woman, and starts to scream and yell and berate and to curse. And to she didn't know what to do. Oh my gosh, the internet. She didn't know what to do. So she... Tried to answer. Oh, again. She tried to answer. She tried to respond. She tried to. The woman wouldn't let her get a word in. Finally, she did what the Rebbe told her to do. She said, I'm a chassid from the Lubavitch Rebbe, and the Rebbe sent me to tell you this. The woman heard these words and froze. She froze. The whole tirade and everything just was hit a major shortstop. And so... She turns to Mr. Stulen and she says to her, The Lubavitch Rebbe sent you to me? She said, Yes. She says, Then give me a candle. Tell me what to do. <laughs> Needless to say, first question Mr. Stulen had was, why? She saw this woman was also an immigrant. She recognized the accent being an accent of her own. And she started to converse in Russian. Now the woman was more comfortable. They were both at home with each other. Oh, I took out my video in Gansen. Ah, Again. Again, it doesn't let me make a video call. Because oh, the video is blocked. Click on, cl- on check the, the video. Oh, let's see if it'll work. That works. Okay, good. Bless you. She started to tell her why, from hearing the words that the Lubavitch Rebbe sent her, why she was ready to light the candles. When I was behind the Iron Curtain, she said, my parents died at a very young age. And it was only me and my brother. It was me and my brother, and we were alone. So obviously we were very, very close. We were very close to one another. And... Everything was us. 
My brother was a very big doctor. I'm telling you. My brother was a very big doctor. And being a doctor, he was running a hospital, a whole clinic. But he didn't make any money. Communist. So, my brother decided that this is not a way to go. And he has to move on. And he applied for visa again and again until he was blessed. He received the visa and he left to the Golden Medina of America. He arrived in America and there was nobody waiting for him in the airport. Not only that, there was nobody in America at all waiting for him. Immigrants like him were by a dime the dozen. What's He had a few piastres, a few pennies left. And this is how he was going to be able to support himself for a few weeks, months. But Panasa he couldn't find. He went from hospital to hospital, clinic to clinic, tried to use his credentials to try to show people how good he was, his value. There was no one to talk to. Nobody was interested in what he had to say for himself. His credentials were worthless in America. Bye, Leaving Russia, they revoked his citizenship. They confiscated everything that he had. So he was worthless. And to return to Russia was not an option. Needless to say, when there's no panasa, and there's just no life, and there's nothing going on, depression sets in. And when depression sets in, people react in different ways. Chassidus doesn't let us de- get depressed. Chassidus doesn't let us get down. Chassidus tells us how to cope with such situations and issues. Chassidus teaches us the beauty of the hand of Hashem, the greatness of the hand of Hashem, and how everything comes from God is a blessing. And we have to accept it as such. And therefore, we learn to cope with such situations. This fellow, unfortunately, was not in that predicament. And this fellow was walking the streets of Manhattan to the lower, lower Manhattan to get to the Brooklyn Bridge where he'd be able to get to the platform and make his leap of faith. No, he's getting towards the foot of the bridge and lo and behold, there's a guy screaming at him. Hey mister, you Jewish? Something attracted him. He turned around to look at the boy. There's a man standing there with a table. The black box in his hand with a strap. And he's asking him to come put on film. He stared for a second. He made a U-turn and kept walking towards the bridge. But this Chassid obviously noticed the Jewish look, the Jewish thought. And the Chassid jumped up and started to pursue him. And was relentless. He was a pit bull. Like a good Chassid. State Farm is there. Mm. And 
He grabbed the guy, he brought him back to the table, he wrapped him up. They davened, he said Shema, whatever he said with him. And ganished. The guy says to him, You don't look happy? What's the matter? So the fellow, first opportunity to do so, does so, and he unloads the entire story. Soup to nuts. He tells the boy everything about his life. She stopped talking to you. To me. You're giving with you. He unloads everything the poor guy's life. The guy hears this and he tells him, you know what? Come with me. Come with me. I'll take you to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Let me take you to the Rebbe. And I will I'll see to it that you get a bracha. When she is talking to you. Kakhaba. Send me all the faces. <laughs> that night the bracha brought him back to Brooklyn. And that night he got him into Yechidus. He spent quite a time with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe gave him tremendous chizuk. He inspired him. And the Rebbe even gave him a few names, contacts. When he walked out of the room, he was a totally different person. And the woman says, he wrote to me a letter. So I want to tell you, there's a man here in New York called the Lubavitcher Rebbe. You have to thank him that you have a live brother today. So now when you told me the Lubavitcher Rebbe sent you here and told you to tell me to light candles, I don't believe in anything. Torah has no value to me. But you know something? The Lubavitcher Rebbe does. And therefore I'm going to light the candles. So we still have the question though. So then why the Torah? I understand now that when The person needs to believe in something. person needs to understand. And therefore, the person can continue and persevere. But why put us into the predicament? Oh my gosh. Why put us in the predicament to begin with? Buy a new computer just for this guy. Many years ago, it's still till today. Today in New York, for example, the general student learns in a public school. And you also have private schools. The private schools teach their curriculums in order not to be considered private or parochial or anything like that. They're referred to by the Board of Education as non-public schools, MPSIS. I know by us the yeshiva, the same situation. Everything is MPSIS. Everything we do with the NIPSIS, the non-public school system. No. And that's the cell you have as well. Basically, you have either the religious yeshivas, or you have the chiloni. Chabad invented the wheel, and they have schools that teach a proper Jewish education, 
but they also integrate. Can you check the redactor? It's on my desk. It says OP on it. You have to give him this as well. They integrate as well secular studies. The rules in Israel is there has to be an X amount of vacation for the summer. <laughs> this is Malachi's. There has to be X amount of time, a vacation for the students. I think it's the area of about three months. Is that correct? There has to be three months summer vacation. Now, they may not be religious, the government, but this is religious. Three months is three months. And one such school, run by a Chabadnik, by, the principal was a Chabadnik, And a three-month vacation sets in. And suddenly a message comes from the Rebbe. Three months is too long. Time to start school. It was three weeks early. Need a pen? It was three weeks early. And the Rebbe told him, start school. Huh? Uh, I don't know who that is. Chassid. Yeah, no. I think so. Maybe some The Chassid asked no questions. He called his entire staff. Secretaries, the workers, the cooks, everything told them, listen, we're starting early, three weeks early. We'll have to pay you extra, we'll pay you extra. We have to start three weeks early. Help today, Bishta. God helps somehow. <coughs> the Misrada Chinuch found out what happened here. And lo and behold, on the first day, there's a Knock on the door of the principal's office. And there's a visitor from Misrada Chinuch. And the Misrada Chinuch, you plugged in your phone? Yeah. Oh, it just came up over here. <laughs> the fellow starts to scream. How dare you open early? The children need vacation. You need a vacation. How dare you open the school early? And he started to berate him and to scream at him and yell at him. The principal didn't bat an eye. Finally, the principal told him, Tishma v'tishma tov. Listen and listen good. You're not the boss of this yeshiva. <coughs> this school, the boss is the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, I have to open three weeks earlier. I'm opening three weeks earlier. This man from Misrada Chinuch went ballistic, screamed and yelled and stormed out and says, you're going to hear from me. <coughs> Kids of the entire Tzavet, the whole staff came in to give their condolences and to try to calm down the principal. He didn't seem to bat an eye. It didn't bother him at all. A week went by, and nothing. Two weeks go by, and they very forgot the whole incident. Forgotten. Tomorrow, with empty threats. Beginning of the third week, there's a lot of noise outside. Children are all in the classrooms, but outside is a tumult. 
They run to the windows, and there's a slew of tractors pulling up. Bulldozers, or bullzoders, whatever you want to call them. And tractors, dump trucks. They're pulling up next to the Migrash, the whole piece of land next to the school. And they were petrified. They came, they're coming to raise the school. They're coming to bring down the whole building. This is quite a severe punishment. They figured maybe you send me a letter, you'll fire me, you'll throw me out. You'll say the government's funding is over <laughs> to raise the show, school. To come in with tractors and just tear down the buildings. It's a little bit absurd. And the Vaila, they start digging. They're digging the whole Migrash outside. They're digging, they're making a hole. So maybe the hole is to throw all the debris. When they destroy the building, they'll throw in the debris. Principal couldn't take it any longer. He runs downstairs. And he looks around and he looks around and you could say you can see who's the foreman. Who's in charge over here? Who's responsible? Miachraipo. <laughs> Very off colors joke. There was a line of workers in the field. All of them had to wear boots. All of them had shovels with long gloves. <coughs> and the, so these, all these workers were an assembly line. And they were passing one shovel full to the next. And as they passed the shovelfuls, you could smell that this was not a good place to be. The fellow comes over, he's looking for the boss. And he sees they're shoveling manure. The whole assembly line of people. Last guy throws it onto the truck. And he asks the first one, where's the boss? This is points, you don't even talk, because you can't breathe this stuff on and he points, and they point, and they point, and he comes to the front of the line, and there's a fellow, up to his neck in manure, and he's standing in the ditch, and he's shoveling out the manure. And he says, where's the boss? He says, I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. He says, you're the boss, you're up to your neck in manure, you're the boss. As you bet. I don't take no dung from anybody. No dung is? Dung? Crap. Uh, I don't take nothing from nobody. Um, he, gets a, he looks around, he finds the boss, without smelling. And he walks over to the foreman, and he says, Tagili. Uh, so of course, any good Israeli said to him, Li. He says, He uh, what are you exactly doing here? He says, what are we doing here? What, nobody told you? He says, I'm afraid not. He says, come here. And he takes him to the truck, and he takes out a stack of blueprints, spreads it out, and he shows him, we have a month's time to put up this building here. It's two stories, and there's 20 extra classrooms. Is what? Yeah, we're extending the school. He says, I put in this request eight years ago. And I've been following it up for eight years. And I never found anybody that answer a question. <laughs> I've been ignored for eight years. And here all of a sudden, he says, Who said this? He says, I don't know. I was told do the job, doing the job. And in a month's time, they had the building standing. Yes, you're online. I have. I don't know <laughs> Who's in the picture with you? Then? My, my cousin. Oh, okay. Rachel? Yeah. And so. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know.
the principal didn't ask any questions after that. And they occupied the building. They needed a space. It was great. He's still waiting for the other shoe to drop, that they're going to maybe send a message, they're firing him, they expanded the school, they're really taking over the school. Nothing. He sent friends in Misrad HaChinuch to go find out. Nobody has a clue as to what happened here, who sent them, why they did this after eight years. Nobody ever found out what happened. This, my friends, is Taylor. Tater, the secrets of Tater are such that we don't even know where the blessing went and how the blessing is going to come forth to us. Can I call you, brother? Can I call you, brother? Oh, yeah. I don't have my phone. No, I'm saying it. I'm Skype. I'm Skype. He's not on here? He's on. Should be on. I'm on him. And so, when we learn Tata, when we receive Tata, answer. We have the message of Akhrei Mais Kedeshim. The truth is, there's answers to everything. Yeah, he's on. Everything has an answer. Everything has a reason to it. You said everybody should put their skype on mute because he can't hear you. Who is it? Morning. Ah, is everybody Skype on mute because you're disturbing other people listening? We spoke back in Pasha Shmini when it tells us the story of the passing of the two children of Aaron. The Shalom HaKadosh writes when it comes to the passing of Nadav and Avihu these two people, Nadav and Avihu the two sons of Aaron were very very precious in the eyes of God and we cannot think of their demise as a diminishment of their holiness of their sanctity They were so attached to God that they physically attached themselves totally to God. They're coming forth before God. They became totally one with God. And this is what's brought down. The Pasuk says, Or as we say, misosam b'chayehem. Their death was actually their way of life. They sanctified their entire soul, their entire essence. And we find the same with Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, the same way, said also. As they lied, he lied there on the floor in the hands of the Romans, and they were raking with hot rakes the skin off of his body. And when they reached to the part where he puts his twill and shareish, he cried out the word, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeno Hashem Echod. And with the word Echod on his lips, his neshama parted. And his Talmidim came screaming and yelling and crying and bemoaning. Is this Teda, is this the reward for Teda? The humiliation and the degradation, the way he was degraded and humiliated here. A baskel came from heaven, and a heavenly voice said, Shtake! Kach Kach This is what came to my mind says the Almighty God. One more word, says God. I'll destroy the entire world. Do not question 
the greatness of one devotion and dedicating of their soul. And we find similarly with Aaron Akayan, Vayidom Aharon, Aaron was quiet. Because this is what God said, I do this, you remain quiet. It's very interesting to note, one of the most powerful prayers, a one sentence, four words, if you tell a Jew to cry out to God in four words, a Jew in need, a Jew in desperation, he will cry out, Ona Hashem Hashiyono. It's brought down in Svarim. When we say the word Ona, we have to have in mind Eliyahu Nodov Avihu. Ona is an acronym for Eliyahu Nodov Avihu. What does Nodov Avihu have to do with Eliyahu Anavi? Back in the archives of Fascist Pinchas, you will hear, we've explained once, when Pinchas kills Zimri, Pinchas' neshama flew out of him and immediately entered the neshamas of Nadav and Aviyu. Just as Nadav and Aviyu only wanted to be attached to God, so too did Pinchas. And that's why ultimately it says, Pinchas Zel Yehu. Pinchas Zel Yehu. And that's why we see finally at the end. That that's exactly what happened. The body did not get buried. So I have a for the Huh? No cave They have the spot where he went up. Oh, that's the spot? Yeah. Nah. They want to say. They don't know where it is. They want to dedicate it. Yeah, it was on the other side of the island. I have a picture of it, that's why I went to the jump. Cave of the grave. They have a chair over there. Yeah, you saw it. Yeah. Up, 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 up. It's by Kisaya. Yeah, Kisaya, you said. And this is therefore another one of you when they came forth for the Almighty. They wanted only to be attached and they did not want to return. And that's why they died. And the Gemara tells us the four people that entered the part of this, and we spoke about this before. But of the four people, only Rabbi Akiva was Nichnas the Shalim and Yatsu the Shalim. Went in in peace and left in peace. And the explanation is because the four that went in went in with Ratsu, but Rabbi Akiva didn't only want to attach to God, he also wanted to return to the world. And that's why he was capable of being Nichnas the Shalim and Yatsu the Shalim. Siddhas brings down, as we say, that I told you before that Pinchas had the Nishamas of Nodav and Avihu, and through this they were misakin, direct, just directified. They rectified. It keeps going out. The internet keeps going off and they keep losing the call. Yeah, The fact of only wanting to attach to God is not a, was a plus, but it's not something that a person has to do. A person has to want to be, come back down to this world. But Pinchas had total abnegation, total mysterious nefesh. And he gave his entire body, his whole mitzvah, to God and sanctified the name of God. By Akedis Yitzchak also Also his soul flew out of him. But still in all something remained and therefore he returned back into this world. <laughs> Speaking of Rabbi Akiva, this week is Perek Shlishi Perkei So it would only be right 
to bring down a quote from Rabbi Akiva in Pirkei Avos. Mishnah Yud Gimel, Pirkei Gimel. Rabbi Akiva, Amen. Rabbi Akiva says, "Schayk v'kalas reish margilim esadam le'erva." Laughter, frivolity, lightheadedness brings a person to lewdness, not proper behavior. Masedes siog latera. Tradition is a fence for Tera. Maisres Syog Laesher, giving tithe of everything we have, is a fence for riches. Nidorim Syog Laprishus, vows are a fence for abstinence. But most important, Syog Lachochma Shtika. That the fence for wisdom is silence. The motto of my child, my my children's upbringing, is as long as you keep your mouth shut, you can't say something stupid. Each thing has a fence for something else. Siog lachachma shtika. The fence for wisdom is silence. Keep fighting class Rabbi Akiva is therefore continuing the previous Mishnah Rabbi Shmol to greet every person with joy. He says, Joy, yes, but don't get carried away. Because too much joy leads to impurity. And then he goes on in the Mishnah and he gives us the list of certain behaviors. Tradition. This refers to when he says tradition, he says Masoides. This refers to Teresh And from there we learn the Teresh The oral law, which translates to the written. Maisris, tithe, giving charity generously causes one to receive additional wealth from God. When a person gives charity, give a 10% in order that you should become rich. When a person takes on a neder, they make a vow, it keeps them from... and it gives him the strength to acquire self-discipline. And the ability to control his impulses when destructive temptations come about. Because I promised, I won't do it. And ultimately, a person who is more concerned with expressing his own view than hearing of the others cannot gain wisdom. In order to gain wisdom, you have to want to hear other people's opinions you have to want to hear what other people have to say, how other people want to teach. So as we said, Rabbi Akiva continues in the dictum of Rabbi Ishmael. Small piece in Gemara of Masech the Seita. I actually looked at a piece of Gemara before from Rabbi Ishmael. We're changing gears. The Gemara tells us, "Amar Yosef, mitzvah. In the case of a mitzvah, be When a person is still involved in performing the mitzvah, it's Gemara and the Seita Chafalif Amaralif in the middle of the Amid, twenty-one A." 21a side in the middle of the page. Then Megano Matzla, it protects him from punishment and saves him from sinning. But at the time when he's not involved in the mitzvah any longer, it protects him from punishment, but it doesn't save him from sinning. That's a mitzvah. However, 
Tera. When it comes to Tera study, it doesn't matter if he's involved at the moment, the moment of learning Tera or not. Megana Umatzle protects him and saves him from punishment. And he wants to bring out from here that from here we see that even the woman, the Tzaseta, the wayward woman, also is protected on the basis of mitzvahs that she has done. One of the mitzvahs in Pashkidation, which is very, very severe, going in the flow of the words, Siog Lachoch Mashtika, person cannot go out and tell the Rechilas. We spoke before about Lashon Hara. Amongst the levels of Lashon Hara is Rechilas. Going to one's house and telling. Even good. The famous story with the Marash. David Sinifka once went to make a dress. She brought material to the dressmaker. And the dressmaker had the dress made. When he came with the dress, the leftover material was in his pocket. Which either he was going to keep or not. Then Marash was a little boy. Excuse me. The Rebbe Rashab was a little boy. And he saw this and he got very upset that he was going to steal the mother's material. So he went and he j- pulled out the bolt of material out of the guy's pocket. The man started to get to Ebke and to Bebke, get very embarrassed, and he says, ah, I was going to give it, I was not going to give it. But he shamed him. Later, the Rashab came into the Marash. The little boy came to his father and he asked him for a ticket, a way to fix the Avera of embarrassment, of Achilles. The Rebbe said, What happened? This is not enough, I embarrassed the person. You want me to tell you Lashon Hara too? So. The little boy, the Rebbe Rashad, spared his father from hearing it and spared himself from saying it. The Basik tells us though, Dabra ben Yisrael, the Pashkidation begins. Not to quote a Pasik by heart, but Abishalom Meshalemer. Although today we started reading because today was the bridge. On Yom Revi'ah on Wednesday we put together the two pashas. Dabra called us when they Marta Alehem Kedeshim to you. Tell them that they should be sanctified. They should be holy. Anyone that speaks Hebrew, help me out. But you probably could tell me that the real word should be by that. Dabra ben Yisrael, Achadat ben Yisrael. Via Marta Lohem to them. Why does it say Alehem? Just to show you that God sanctifying the Eden Kiddushim comes from the word Kiddusha which also has the word Kiddushin. And ultimately, this is God's goal when we have the Torah, 
We received the Torah from God and it was a Kiddushin. It was a matrimony between the Jewish nation and God. Alehem, Aleph, Lamed, Heimem is an acronym for the famous four words said under the Chuppah. Hareat Mikudeshes Li. You are sanctified to me, as the husband, the groom, says to the wife. So may we merit that we should be Kedeshim to you, we should indeed become holy, and we should become Mikudash. God should take us back, not that He left us off, but take us back in a way into our home, into the home being the Beis Hamikdash Ashlishi, in Yerushalayim, Irakadesh, and this very Shabbos, we should celebrate the beautiful Shabbos Kedesh with the sanctification of God and Mashiach Tzidkenu in Yerushalayim, Bimheira Shabbat Shalom to all. Thank you. Have a good day.